back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mac uh, Bandwagon Podcast, the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. This is episode 23. I'm your co-host, Sam Thillman, joined as usual by my co-host, Zach Foley. Zach, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's uh, I, I feel like I say this every every week now, but I mean, it's a great time of year to be a sports fan. We got college footballs in full swing, college basketballs picking up, the NFLs approaching the end of the season. We got some playoff races to cut that you know going on there. It's a great time to be a sports fan, man. It's I don't know about you, but I've been loving every day. There's been college basketball games on in the afternoon. They've been starting at like one o'clock, two o'clock. I can sit here and watch sports all day. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it really is, uh, besides having to listen to some um, questionable commentators like Dan Dockich or Bill Walton, <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really a fun time. I'm there with you. And Zach, I've got, I've got, before we get into some Mac news, what's going on with your Penn State basketball team? You're, you're a little bit down on them, and they're just coming through. I tell you what, man. I, well, let me say, first of all, Sunday we played Seton Hall. We played out of our minds in the first half. We were up by 20. Seton Hall comes back in the second half, ties it. We lost in overtime. So I was pretty upset after that. But, man, Tuesday night we went down to Blacksburg, took on number 15 Virginia Tech, and just ran them out of the gym. And I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. You know, the thing, the thing that's uh, crazy about Penn State basketball this year is that our, our two best players from last season, Lamar Stevens and Mike Watkins, uh, you know, they were – Lamar Stevens was like a power forward. Watkins was, a you know, like a center um they're both gone so all of our returning production pretty much was guards and so we we got some dudes that can score and can shoot the ball I've been worried about us uh matching up with teams underneath the hoop though but so far so good man we play Michigan on Sunday in our Big Ten opener against Ann Arbor up in Ann Arbor um I'm curious to see how we do there and uh yeah I gotta be honest man I was I was kind of down on them coming on to the season but man three games in I'm thinking we might be able to, you know, if we can hang around that 500 in the Big Ten, we might be have a chance for an at-large bid. I don't know. No doubt. And I will say, you mentioned that center watching the Ball State-Michigan game. They have like a 7-2 uh, dude, I'm not sure his name, who's just like, I, I'm not sure you're going to be able to guard him, but good <laughs> luck to you guys anyway. But enough of that <laughs> Big Ten talk. We got to get into some Mac news. So, Zach, unfortunately, this is uh, we've got another week. Another cancellation, actually, two this week, if you want to just break that down. Yeah, it's too bad. Unfortunately, uh, we're not going to have a full slate of MAC games this week, guys. Uh, got Like you said, Sam, two cancellations. So we're, we're stuck with only four MAC games here on the last week of the season. Um, Ohio and Kent State, uh, they, that got canceled the other day. Kent State still still dealing with some issues on their uh, on their roster, so this will be their their second straight game that's uh, that's been canceled. And then elsewhere, um, Miami Bowling Green uh, has been canceled as well. Miami's doing with some COVID issues, so um, unfortunately, those four teams uh, their seasons have ended. Uh, Miami only got three games in, unfortunately. So did Ohio uh, Bowling Green now. They're going to finish the season at 0-5. That's their first uh, winless season since 1919 when they started their football program. Uh, to be honest with you, though, Sam, I don't think too many Bowling Green fans will be upset to see this season end. Yeah, I don't think they will either. And it's just it's just puzzling a little bit how all these Mac East games have been canceled, and then the Mac West is just completely fine. I don't know whether the programs are just acting different, what, like, their rules and regulations are different, like – I, I'm just curious how all these Mac East teams repeatedly have to cancel games and then the Mac West are like, yeah, 
Western Michigan Bowl stay is on. Yeah, it is. It is weird. It's I, I don't know if it's just, you know, coincidence or whatever. But uh, yeah, of, you know, five of the 36 Mac games so far this season have been canceled. That's about 14 percent. And yeah, like you said, all of them have been in, in the Mac East. And unfortunately, um, in not even just in the Mac East, it's really been contained to just like a couple programs like Ohio has had a couple games canceled before because of COVID issues. Kent State has had two games now canceled because of COVID issues. And then you throw in the one from uh, from Miami as well. So it's really, you know, it's it's too bad. I feel for some of the, the upperclassmen on those uh, on those teams that really wanted to get out there and, and, and show what they could do this year. You feel bad for, for Kent State, who was having a great season, has had their last two games canceled. So um, it is unfortunate, but I think you know, whenever we started this season uh, in the middle of this pandemic, I think everybody knew that this was kind of a uh, this was a possibility. Right. And and we were going to do what we could to get through it. And, um, you know, the Mac, they didn't give themselves any flexibility here to reschedule games, which, you know, I'm not I'm not criticizing them for that or anything. But, yeah, unfortunately, some of these schools, it looks like they're only going to have, you know, three game seasons. And uh, unless any of them get invited to a bowl game, which, you know, with, with bowl games getting canceled and stuff like that, I don't know how likely that is either. Uh, it looks like these, these schools are going to be uh, going into the off season, probably starting their off season training programs here in January, getting ready for hopefully a full season next year. And maybe it would make more sense if it was like a geographic area, because when you think about Ohio's in the same area, Miami, Ohio, Kent state, they're all within the Ohio area. But when you look at other programs like Akron, they haven't had to cancel a game so far. They yeah. have five games Toledo over in the Mac West, obviously in Ohio hasn't had to cancel a game. So maybe it would make more sense if it was like a geographic thing. Like, I don't know, there's like rising cases in other areas uh, versus others. But at this point, I think it's just a program issue at this at this point. That's the only conclusion I can make of it. Yeah, I, I, I can't necessarily disagree with you there. And uh, the, the other thing that's like odd about it to me is that like you, let's take Kent State, for example. Right. They, they played Buffalo two weeks ago and then uh, their last two games since then have been canceled because they had players with with, you know, they had roster issues because of players testing positive for COVID. So in my mind, it would make sense that if Kent State played Buffalo and some of their roster had COVID, it would make sense to me that I would think somebody on Buffalo would have caught it from, you know, from that game at Kent State. But Buffalo hasn't had any issues. They haven't had any games canceled. I mean, they have, but not because their own fault, because, you know, Ohio had the issues last week, which canceled their game. So, yeah, it is crazy, man. It's, it's really weird. And it's uh, I don't know. I guess it's par for the course for 2020. Nobody really knows what's going on. And we're just, you know, we're getting thrown curveballs and we just kind of got to roll with the punches. Yeah, no doubt. And to move on from that kind of um, uh, kind of terrible news, we've got some good news, at least for Bulls fan. They, they clutched the uh, due to cancellations and whatnot. Uh, them being 4-0 has enabled them to play in the MAC football championship game. Zach, if you want to break that down. Yeah, so um, there, there were some questions because obviously uh, Buffalo's game against Ohio last week uh, was canceled. And so there were some questions about, you know, with, with Buffalo um, having, you know, only played the four games, you know, what was going to happen with, with the MAC East. And the, the, the conference did come out the other day and officially say Buffalo has clinched the East Division crown. They are going to be going to Ford Field. So I think for all of us at the hustle belt, anyone that covers the conference, I don't think anyone is surprised that Buffalo has won the East division. I think there were probably some people here and there that might've picked Kent state, but I think the majority of people felt like 
you know, Buffalo is certainly the strongest roster in the division. You got Kevin Marks and, and Jared Patterson and all that talent they have on that team with that defense. I don't think anybody's surprised that uh, Buffalo is going to be uh, the team representing the Mac at Ford Field. Obviously, this is going to be um, their uh, return to Ford Field after uh, two years ago when they lost to uh, Northern Illinois in the in the MAC championship game where they blew that 19 point lead in the fourth quarter and and the Huskies eventually pulled that one out. Um, Buffalo, this is their their third trip uh, to Ford Field overall. The first time being back in 2008 when they uh, knocked off that undefeated Ball State team, unfortunately, and uh, and and made it to the international bowl. So uh, uh, definitely a. a a good year for the Bulls program. I know a lot of the players on the roster that were there a couple years ago when they blew that game in Northern Illinois really wanted to get back here and get another chance at a ring. So uh, they're going to get that opportunity. And now uh, we're going to find out this Saturday who they're going to be playing. Yeah. And I'm not sure Western Michigan fans or Ball State fans like myself are too thrilled with the idea of having to, uh, with either one of them winning, having then to play Buffalo, who clearly has shown the ability to be the best team in the MAC. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with that. Um, listening, hopefully not. But like, yeah, if you're Ball State or Western Michigan, you, you have to, you have to just basically like, um, not only do you have to win this game, you have to then go to Detroit and take on Jared Patterson, Kevin Marks, that tough Buffalo's defense. And yeah, I'm not sure if Western Michigan fans or Ball State fans are looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that they are. Uh, I think the defensive coordinators for both teams are probably having nightmares right now, thinking about the possibility of having to figure out, you know, how are we going to stop Jared Patterson? I, you know, Western Michigan got gashed for 42 points, or I'm sorry, 53 points against Eastern Michigan uh, last week. And, you know, if you're going to give up 53 points to Eastern Michigan, man, I'd hate to see what Buffalo could do to that defense. So both of these defenses will, either one of them will have their work cut out for them if they're going to have to go to, to Ford Field and take on the Bulls. But, uh, hey, they got to get through each other first. We're going to see who comes out on top here in the West. And uh, no matter who it is, though, like you said, they're going to have a heck of a challenge there uh, traveling down to Detroit to take on the Bulls. No doubt. And to it kind of ties in with each other. The MAC uh, championship game got a new sponsor, uh, Zach, if you want to if you want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was announced the other day that uh, Rocket Mortgage is going to be the official sponsor of the, uh, the 2020 MAC championship game. So I think this is actually an important point to, to talk about, Sam, because, you know, back uh, over the summer and, and in the fall, whenever it was announced that the Mac was coming back uh, to play. And even before that, when we were still speculating about whether or not the Mac would play this year, one of the things that we talked about was, you know, how are they going to replace some of that revenue from uh, not being able to sell tickets and all of these other things and getting a sponsor like rocket mortgage uh, certainly goes a long way in doing that. Obviously the, the, you know, the financial aspects of it and how much rocket mortgage paid, to uh, to sponsor the game, none of that was disclosed. But still, you imagine that they, you know, there there was obviously a, a price tag with that. And I, I also love to see, you know, there was kind of a um, a community involvement part of this as well, where Rocket Mortgage also um, committed to donating a million dollars to uh, a nonprofit organization called Community Solutions, which is. Uh, committed to eliminating homelessness among veterans across the country. So not only is Rocket Mortgage sponsoring the game and, and helping the Mac out financially, but they're also going to be make a nice little donation to uh, to that charity as well to, to help out with 
with veteran homelessness as well. So um, a good a good story all around. I think everyone's happy that, um, you know, the MAC is, is going to get to play their championship game. They got a good sponsor here. Obviously, Rocket Mortgage is a, is a huge organization. You know, think about, you know, Detroit and Cleveland and across uh, across the Midwest. They've done a lot with helping to redevelop some of these Rust Belt cities. So I think it's a natural partnership uh, that, you know, they kind of tied in there. Uh, it's good to see. You, you, you like to see stuff like that. And you love to see the MAC kind of get creative and, and finding ways to kind of replace some of the lost revenue that they've had this year. I mean, the sponsor makes sense. Uh, the MAC basketball championship or tournament is held at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse when, when they reach the second round and beyond. So it just naturally makes sense. What, like, what kind of surprised me is being able to land, land a sponsorship during this time. Like, I want to see, like, I, I'm an analytical guy. I really like analytics. See, like, how much projection they see um benefiting them through the sponsorships not only on the conference side but rocket mortgage themselves because they're a business at the end of the day so i'm just curious without the the ticket sales or whatnot you're only getting the tv side of the deal like how much they they project to earn off this uh sponsorship yeah i i, I do agree with you it is interesting because you know with 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 everyone across the country, with the economy kind of slowing down with, with the pandemic and everything, you'd like, you'd think that, you know, a company, a big organization like Rocket Mortgage would be cutting back on their spending with, you know, finances and trying to limit their, their costs. But they obviously, you know, for some one way or another, they found it beneficial to do this and, and good for them. Uh, they obviously they're, they're doing it the right way and getting some, you know, some nonprofit stuff involved too. So it's a good story, a nice feel good story all around. It'll hopefully, uh, you know, a, a good sponsorship, a good TV presentation, and hopefully um, we can, you know, the, the Mac can give us a, a good, exciting game on Friday night. You know, it's it's kind of a standalone thing, right? They're going to be only the only game on TV that night as far as college football goes. It's going to be on ESPN. Uh, so the, hopefully they get a big audience and, um, you know, it can pay off for everyone. Yeah, no doubt. I'm there with you. And with that, we're going to jump into our uh, Twitter questions. Uh, if Zach, you want to touch on them. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually I really liked our first Twitter question this week with uh, if you could play under any present or former coach at your school, what sport slash coach would you play for and why? And I thought we got some great answers here. Um, fellow Hustle Belt contributor Dave Drury uh, is a, obviously a, a loyal Northern Illinois fan. Uh, and he mentioned Joe Novak, who said, you know, he said he's a great guy and a great coach. And I think that's a that's a great uh, great point there from Dave because um, Joe Novak was the coach at Northern Illinois for uh, for 12 years and honestly people nowadays think about Northern Illinois as one of the best programs in the MAC but the reason of the reason for that I should say is Joe Novak you know Northern Illinois was bad before Joe Novak was their head coach and in the five years before he got hired. Uh, they were combined 18 and 37. So he was really responsible for building the program up um, to, to where they where they are now. And, you know, prior to that, they, they were not a, a program in a, in a good place. You know, they even uh, back in the early 2000s, early, I can't remember, it was late 90s, early 2000s, they had like a 23 game losing streak at one point. And Joe Novak really kind of built that program up. Little known fact uh, one of the first recruiting cl classes that uh, that Joe Novak put together at Northern Illinois, uh, one of his top recruits in that class was a little known wide receiver named PJ Fleck, who obviously now 
is the head coach at uh, at Minnesota after taking Western Michigan to the Cotton Bowl a couple years ago. So, yeah, I think that was a great response from Dave. And, you know, Joe Novak, definitely a coaching legend in the Mid-American Conference. Yeah, not only that, he also played an, an, another legendary coach in Bo Beckler back in his playing days at Miami. So the the cycle of just co- of players in the MAC becoming coaches and whatnot just continues. You mentioned PJ Fleck there. Yeah, I thought it was a great choice, Joe Novak. I mean, you you mentioned everything, turned that program around. It led them to where they are, uh, where they were today when they had that uh, nice little run in the late like two. Would you, would you say late 2000? Like, cause it's like, yeah, mid, like mid to late, like 2000, like three, four, five, six, set, like in that area, you know, they had, they had Michael Turner on, on those teams. I mean, they had some great teams during that time. And uh, yeah, he was, he was certainly, uh, he was a, uh, you know, he was the reason for that. Yeah, no doubt. And when, and next up, we got our boy uh, at Smanaikla, usually probably Andy Murray, not the tennis player that, that I was thinking about when I first read this. Solid yeah. pro experience if my goal is to get to the next level. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Sam. I, I thought he was talking about tennis, too. Uh, I, I was like, is our guy, the K-O, is he a tennis fan? I didn't know that. But but honestly, after I, I you know, I looked Andy Murray up and it made sense. He's a, he's a hockey coach. To be quite honest with you, I'm, I've never been like a big hockey guy. I don't follow it all that closely. So I had never heard of him. But, you know, after looking him up, um, it seems like he was a great get for the Western Michigan hockey program because um, for the, the 10 years before they hired him back in 2011, he was a head coach in the NHL. He coached the LA Kings from 99 to 2006. And then, uh, the St. Louis blues from 2006 to 2010. So anytime at it, at the Mac level that you can bring in a coach that has head coaching experience in the pros, I think that's a huge get for the school and a huge get for the program. Um, you know, I think as as uh, the Khod said, you know, if, if your goal is to get to the next level, you want to play for a coach that has has been at that level. And and I think uh, Andy Murray certainly fits that bill. So, yeah, that seems like it was a great hire for Western Michigan back when they got him back in 2010. And, uh, you know, certainly they, they've seen a lot of success under him in the, in the time being. Yeah, no doubt. I, I as you mentioned, I'm not I'm not too big into hockey. If Ball State had an actual like hockey team, I would the one hockey team I'd probably follow a little bit closer. But yeah, 2018, 2019, Broncos got 20 wins. They got the Ice Vegas Invitational title. Uh, uh, not only that, on the academic side of the ball, you get our academic side of the puck, I should say. 21 got uh, academic All Conference selections under Andy Murray. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with the guy other than the tennis player, but yeah, he seems like a solid pro experience. If I'm trying to uh, get to the NHL or possibly a lower league, like the WHL, I think Andy Murray's a good choice. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. And then our, our last response here, um, our friends over at, at Zips United, um, they said, uh, Rob Ionello, and they posted a gift with it with a guy kind of like snickering. And I remembered Rob Ionello's name, but I, I, I couldn't remember exactly. And then once I looked him up, I understood why they put that gift with it. Cause obviously I think this is coming off as, as a little bit of sarcasm from, from Zips United here. Rob Ionello was uh, Akron's coach, uh, football coach, 2010, 2011, uh, combined two and 22 in those two years and, and one in 15 in the Mac. They, uh, they beat Buffalo in the last game of the 2010 season. And then in 2011, their only win was against uh, VMI, who's obviously an FCS team. So certainly not a, not, not a great era for Zips football back in the early 2010s. And, 
got to appreciate the fact that uh, our, our, our friends over at Zips United can at least laugh at it. Yeah, no doubt. And before we actually touch on the game, I got I got to give a congrats to Akron for getting their first win. I mean, they've been they've been wanting one for what two years now at this yeah. point. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I just gotta give a quick shout out to him again. We appreciate you guys over at Zip and I having a little bit of sense of humor with this one. Yeah, I don't. I don't think a lot of people want to play for Rob Ionello these days. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And and also, yeah, I'm, I'll echo that too, Sam. Huge shout out to the Zips. We'll talk about that game a little bit more here uh, later in the show. But I think that that was a long time coming and something that um, a lot of uh, a lot of Zips fans have been waiting a long time for. Uh, the, the other, we had another, one other brief Twitter question uh, where we had, you know, posted that, you know, Buffalo is going to the MAC championship game. Want to see who the folks wanted to see coming out of the West. Obviously, Western Michigan playing Ball State this week to decide the, the Western division title. Once again, our guy, uh, the K-Hod came at us and he said, you know, you only need to watch the first seven seconds to get of this video that he posted to guess where I'm at on this one. We all know who he's rooting for. Hey, I respect your fandom. Uh, uh, Smaniacal, you know, I think, I don't know if my confidence would be quite so high after watching that defense give up 53 points to Eastern Michigan last week. But, uh, hey, I, I respect the fandom. I'd be right there with you, too, if I was a Western Michigan fan. So this is a highly anticipated game, uh, a huge one of the biggest games in the recent history of either program to be able to get to the, the MAC championship game next week. Yeah, we did have a quote tweet one more, Zach. I, uh, uh, we need redemption from our boy uh, Ian McGarvey, so you know who he's written for. Former Ball State player, former uh, Ball State kicker we had on the podcast. Big shout-out to him for uh, coming on a few weeks ago. Yeah, this is a big game. Um, get to play Buffalo after this. I'm kind of scared, even if we do win, if we'll be able to get it done. But hopefully, even if we don't uh, win the MAC championship game, we can at least get a bowl game as a consolation prize. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think uh, I think the way that the Cardinals have played the last few weeks definitely warrants a bowl invitation. But hey, you'd still you'd love to get the Ford Field if you can. Yeah, no doubt. And Zach, is there is there anything you want to touch on uh, regarding the general news or the Twitter questions before we move on? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. The, the only other thing I wanted to say is I, I also I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Buffalo as well. They were ranked 24th in the AP poll this week. And this is the first time in program history uh, they have been ranked in the top 25. So everyone around these parts here at the Hustle Belt, anyone that follows the MAC has obviously uh, known how good Buffalo has been this year. But it was great to see them get some national recognition as well. No doubt, even if they might not get some college football playoff recognition, at least at least the AP poll is giving them some recognition at the end of the day because that's what matters. Um, um, in our um, uh, I, I don't even know the word. I'm just gonna move on. But yeah, uh, yeah, big shout out to uh, Buffalo for being able to get done four and zero. Uh, Jared Patterson putting that 800 yard day certainly helped them get the recognition they deserved. Before we uh, talk some week four football recap, uh, we got some we got some clothes to talk about. Homefield Apparel, the premier directed customer clothier for college sports fans and Hustle Belt have partnered for an exclusive original line of t-shirts. Pick up your Tuesday night or Jolly Blogger shirt on homefieldapparel.com now and you can save 20% off your entire first purchase using promo code HUSTLE. Every shirt you helps. Uh, every shirt you buy helps us out of the blog and you'll feel good too. Thanks to Homefield's exclusive 52% cotton, 48% polyester blend. 
Wrote the best little blog in the Midwest today by going to homefieldapparel.com and using promo code HUSTLE. And with that being said, Zach, we got, we got some action to talk about week four. I believe we only had one cancellation from last week, correct? That's correct, yep. So if you, if you want to um, slowly give us your thoughts on the first game, Toledo um, ended up beating uh, Northern Illinois. Yeah, that's right. And uh, actually, let me let me correct myself real quick. There there were two canceled games last night because we had or last week we had Buffalo, uh, Buffalo, Ohio got canceled, and then uh, Kent State and um, Kent State and uh, what's the other? And Miami got canceled as well. So um, yeah, we had four games last week. Um, but and yeah, starting off Northern Illinois and Toledo. Um, I tell you what, Sam, I, I get the sense that these are two teams that are kind of heading in opposite directions. We were very down on Northern Illinois coming into this season, but they have they have really, really improved here over the last couple of weeks. I know moral victories aren't always like the thing you want to look for, but for a young team like this, they've really battled these last couple of weeks. Uh, they were um, Northern Illinois, Toledo. They were tied going into the fourth quarter of this game at 24 all uh, Northern Illinois kind of fell apart in the fourth. Uh, Toledo pulled away. Uh, to win 41 to 24. But still, if I'm a Northern Illinois fan, I'm, I'm once again, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged uh, by, by what I see here. Um, shout out to Carter Bradley from Toledo. He had himself quite a game uh, replacing the, the injured Eli Peters. Uh, 29 for 44, 432 passing yards, uh, three touchdowns, though he did throw uh, two interceptions there. Um, wanted to give a shout out also to um, Harrison Whaley from uh, Northern Illinois, the true freshman running back. Starting to look here, Sam, like Northern Illinois might have their running back of the future. Uh, he had 19 carries for 114 yards and a touchdown in this game. He's, you know, over the course of the season, he's got, uh, you know, 84 carries for 334 yards. It doesn't sound like a ton, but, you know, averaging four yards a carry, and then he scored his first career touchdown uh, on Saturday against the Rockets. But, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Sam, you know, I felt like Northern Illinois played really well in this game. They just kind of ran out of steam down the stretch, uh, you know, missed a field goal in the, in the fourth quarter that, that um, you know, would have kept it within, a, you know, a couple, uh, a couple scores. And they just, you know, the, the offense, you know, they had a couple – they went three and out a couple times, a couple punts. They just kind of ran out of steam in the fourth quarter. But I still think if I'm a Northern Illinois fan, a lot of encouraging things I've seen from these last couple of weeks in the Huskies. Yeah, I was I was super impressed by how the offense performed. Like they kept uh, they kept with Toledo step by step, no matter how good, uh, as you mentioned, Carter Bradley was doing, or no matter the the rushing game attack by uh, uh, Kobach and Kelly. Like they were step by step. Of course, they had that kind of like a little bit of crumble, as you mentioned, the um, second half not being able to score a single point. But that first half, Northern Illinois looked just as good on, on equal footing as Toledo. And you got to give a lot of shout out to Ross Bowers for being able to step up and take that. Uh, Richie looked almost unguardable. I was watching him. I it, it was it was just like he was unstoppable in that first half. I mean, you as you mentioned, you don't want moral victories, but in a season in which you have a bunch of young freshmen, we taught we've talked about every single week the inexperience. You definitely have to like what you're seeing. And let's be honest, we didn't have a whole lot of expectations going in for this Illinois team. And I think they've honestly, even though they haven't got a single win on this season, they've surpassed my expectations. Uh, first couple games, I think it was they they didn't look the best, but these past three games. They've really looked like they can build build on this moving forward. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that completely, Sam. And, you know, you, you think about the three teams kind of at the bottom of the conference this year with, you know, Northern Illinois, Akron, and Bowling Green. Northern Illinois and Akron, you can say pretty confidently, you know, they've gotten better every single week. And if I'm a, if I'm a fan of one of those two teams, I know, you know, we weren't good this year, but I also have a lot of confidence in these coaching staffs moving forward that we're, you know, as we continue to develop and as these staffs continue to recruit, you can see some tangible things happening that these teams are improving. Bowling Green's another story. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get to them later, but I think Northern Illinois and Akron, you're, you're starting to see some, some, some really good signs of, of development and some things that make you, you know, optimistic for the future. Now, on the other side of this game, Sam, um, I think this is just another game that kind of makes me question Toledo and, and, and you know, Jason Candle and, and the coaching staff there. I think you've, you've just – this has been another season of uneven performances for them, and that seems to be kind of a staple uh, for the Rockets these last couple years. Obviously, you go back to week two. They inexplicably lose that game to Western Michigan in the last couple minutes. Last week against – you know, Ball State, I think that that final score there, 27 to 24, is, is a little bit um, a little bit, you know, misleading. Ball State really dominated that game for the first three quarters. And then even in this one here, I, I think the, the final score in this game is, is a little misleading as well. I mean, this game was 24 to 24 going into the fourth quarter before Toledo pulled away. I just I, I haven't seen. A, a complete performance here. I think they looked good against Eastern Michigan a couple weeks ago, but outside of that, I, I haven't seen a ton this year from Toledo that's really given me any type of confidence in them moving forward. Yeah, I think that has to do a lot on the defensive side of the ball, to be honest. I think yeah. offensively they've figured out whether it's Eli Peters or whether it's uh, Carter Bradley. Like they, they, They've been able to put up points when you look at the uh, point total – 38 points on Bowling Green, which anybody can put up points on Bowling Green, let's be honest. Yeah, Western yeah. Michigan, they put up 38, 38 points, 45 on Eastern Michigan. Ball State really wasn't the best offensive lead. They still put up 24. NIU, they put up 41. But when you look at what they give up, Western Michigan, 41, 28 against Eastern Michigan, 27 against Ball State, 24 against Illinois. Their defense just hasn't risen to the occasion that they needed to. If they were going to be a five and one team or six and zero team that everyone was projecting them to be, they I just think on that side of the ball they need to figure out. I think even special teams. Um, I think it was McK Mc is it McKinley Lewis who's the returner. Yeah, yeah, Denzel McKinley Lewis. He he like he had like a, a fumble in the end zone and then he returned it all the way out to the two. It was it was such a yeah. weird kind of uh shift of events. But yeah, I think defensively and special teams, they just need to uh figure figure some stuff out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you know, a lot of you know, coming into the season, I think a lot of the reason that people thought the Rockets were going to improve this year is because they thought the defense was going to get better, right? Uh, Jason Candle brings in Vince Carries from Mountain Union, uh, who was a head coach at Mountain Union, a very successful head coach at Mountain Union to run the defense. And the defense just, you know, especially, you know, these last couple of weeks or just this, you know, this season in general, they started off strong. You know, they don't give three points to Bowling Green, but not I'm not going to be impressed by shutting down Bowling Green. And since then, there just hasn't been a lot. There seems to be, you know, it doesn't seem to be a lot of discipline either, like you mentioned with you know, turnovers and issues on special teams. And to me, that comes down to coaching. That comes down to coaching and preparing your players during the week. And so, 
Um, you know, I think this is another season for Rockets fans that they're going to end up being a little bit disappointed by. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Rocket fans were going to be anything other than disappointed unless they went 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. Let's be honest, that's yeah. why everybody had them to be. That's what they, I think, should have been. But another disappointing season, you just got to move on, build off it, uh, mm-hmm. learn what you can, and move into next season with your head, I guess, held high. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I'm not really sure what to what positive what positive statement I can say, really. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there, man. I I don't uh, I don't know. I I think the the program it just it seems like they're kind of treading water right now. It mm-hmm. seems like they're kind of treading water right now, and it seems like there's other programs in not just in the MAC in general, but even in the West. It seems like there's other programs that are catching up to them and passing them by, and they're gonna have to do some soul searching and uh, and see. I don't know. Jason Cano's got to have to hit the recruiting trail hard this year. I mean, we know he's a good recruiter. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, once those recruits get on campus, you got to develop them. You got to, you got to, you know, put them together, put a a cohesive team together. And these last couple of seasons, they just haven't seemed to been able to do that. Yeah, no doubt. And I I think that wraps up our uh, Toledo Northern Illinois. Moving on to the next game. We talked about a little bit earlier, Akron Bowling Green, Akron getting the first win from 2018 Bowling Green, just looking terrible. Oh man, I tell you what, if I was a Bowling Green fan, I would, I'm, I'm happy that this season is over. If I'm a Bowling Green fan, I mean, every week, it seems like it's something else for the Falcons. I, I keep waiting. I keep waiting for the, them to put a cohesive performance together and it just has not happened. And you know, this one here, this is their best chance to get a win this year. We, we, we talked about it last week, both of these teams, this was their chance to get a win this year and get one in the win column and Akron just completely outclassed them. I mean, it was three, three at the end of the first quarter, but after that, it, I mean, Akron completely dominated this game. They blocked a punt for a touchdown. Tion Dollar continued his great year. He had 26 carries for 185 yards and two touchdowns. He's now second in the Mac in rushing yards. So Huge shout out to him. He's he's had a great breakout season for the Zips this year. And I think the difference between these two teams, Sam, is that Akron has found their identity, right? They're still not the most talented team, but they know who they are. They're going to run the ball. They're going to bleed the clock and they're going to try and play good defense and bleed you for long drives and grind your defense down. And that's exactly what they did here in, in this game. I mean, like I said, Tion Dollard had 26 carries for 185 yards. As a team, they had 39 rushes and they only threw 17 passes. And that's okay. That's what they want to do. They're not asking Zach Gibson as a quarterback to go out and throw for 300 yards and win the game themselves. They're going to lean on the run game and then they're going to um, trust that their defense can get a stop here and there. On the other side of the ball, I mean, Matt McDonald and, and Bowling Green, this offense has, has not been good. They've, they've found themselves a good young running back and Terry on Stewart. He had another good game this week. He had 14 carries for, uh, for 91 yards, but still, I mean, this is another game for Bowling Green where they failed to reach 300 yards of offense. They had three turnovers once again. Uh, this is just, there, there's not a lot of positives to, to take from, from Bowling Green season right now. Like I said, I think with Akron and Northern Illinois, you've seen some tangible steps forward here over the course of the season. And with Bowling Green, and you just I, I, I don't feel like you can say that. I think every week has, has been a disappointing performance. And honestly, I think it comes down to the coaches 
the the two coaches to be frank and i think the players want to play for tom art and they believe in a system and they truly are like is is basically like the tom allen of the mac they want to play for this dude they believe in what he's saying uh, they know um they know he really wants to be there and it's like bowling green you don't get that sense and it especially has to start with the qb position i was trying i was looking at the passing stats and matt mcdonald besides interceptions which he's basically tied for first in He's 10th or 11th. Yeah. Yeah. He has the most interceptions. He has uh, one of the most, uh, he has the lowest completion percentage, even below AJ Mayer with his two games. Uh, yeah. Low 10th uh, in yards, touchdown. He's a, he's last. Uh, average per game, he's 10th. In efficiency, he's last. Like <laughs> that, that, that tells you all, all you need to know. And I don't think, Unless you can figure out the quarterback situation and how to improve that, your team's really going to buy in. Because if you can't put up, if you can only put up three points against an accurate defense that has shown to be good at times, but I'd still say below average in terms of the MAC conference, then what what are we really doing here? What are we talking about? I I agree with you completely, man. I and you know I. I, I think we've been hard on Matt McDonald on this podcast because for me, especially I had high expectations for him coming into the year. His numbers are not good. I mean, you're, if you're, you're completing 44% of your passes on the season, that's one of the lowest completion percentages I have ever seen for a division one quarterback. Now let's also be clear. It's Matt McDonald is not the, the, the problem here. I mean, the, the offensive line is terrible. The defense is terrible. The special teams have been awful. He doesn't have a ton of weapons to throw to. Quentin Morris has been pretty good this year, again, as a tight end. But, I mean, it's just across the board, B- Bowling Green, they, they just – they have so many issues. They have – you know, they're, they're so young, and they have so many guys on their roster that, that maybe they'll be good in a year or two, but they're not ready right now. And I think for people like me who expected a little bit more from Bowling Green this year, I think – I was expecting some of these young guys to step up and take a step forward this year and, and carry Bowling Green, and maybe they could pick up a victory in that regard. And it just hasn't happened, unfortunately, for, for Falcons fans. I'm starting much like you said. I think coming into this year, I, I felt like Scott Leffler seemed like the right guy for Bowling Green, and he's still very well maybe. I mean, we know he's well-connected in Ohio, and we know he's, you know he's a good recruiter. But at a certain point, you got to have some results on the field and you know, go three and nine last year with the one bright spot of beating Toledo. I think that earned him some goodwill with a lot of the Bowling Green faithful. But after watching these five games this year, if I'm a Bowling Green fan, I'm starting to question that a little bit. I mean, the one stat I just need to throw out here is you lost to a quarterback who threw who had a QBR of 14 and a half. <laughs> oh, man. Like there's, there's just not much more than you can say about that. It's not that you lo- just lost to that guy. You lost that guy by 28 points. Tion Dollar had a fantabulous, uh, fantastic game. But when your leading receiver uh, that you're going against has 32 yards, like, like, come on, come on. What are we doing here? Like uh shout out to you Akron for getting it done. But yeah, I'm not sure what else there is to say about that. You have any closing thoughts on this game, Zach? Only other thing I wanted to say is I wanted to give one more uh, one more shout out here to uh, Bubba Arslanian for for Akron. Sixteen tackles in this game. He's he's had a heck of a year. You know, fifty nine tackles in uh, in five games, three sacks. 
we talked about him and, and the linebacking core for Akron kind of being the, uh, the strength of this defense coming into the year. And, and they've proven it. I mean, they, they have really, um, they've kind of buoyed that defense. They've been a solid unit. So shout out to Bubba. He had himself another uh, great game this week. And, um, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, you have him coming back next year. I, I expect Akron to be very improved next year. And they, they, I think they could surprise some people. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. If I had to get, if I had to give a winner of the week, I got to give it to the Akron team for get it done. Loser, I'm going straight to Bowling Green. Not just Matt McDonald for his entire performance, but just everybody on that field. It maybe outside of the rushing attack, but other than that, yeah, Bowling Green, you you deserve to be the loser of the week. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, Sam, you know what? that's a perfect transition into our next game here that we were going to cover. If I had to go with a losing team for this week, I might go with central Michigan. I might, because, you know, this was a game, uh, ball state and central Michigan, both teams came into this game with a three and one record, uh, both still with a chance to win the Western division crown. And man, I don't know about you, Sam, but central Michigan was just a mess on Saturday. They didn't, I mean, the turnovers, the special teams errors, the defense wasn't good. You know, I know that they were missing their quarterback and, and, you know, um, Ty Brock had to make his first start of his year uh, of his central Michigan career, but man, ball state really just blew him out of the building here. And I don't know about you, but to me, Sam, I, I never, this game was never close to me. I think from the opening kickoff, it seemed like ball state was in control here. Um, shout out to Drew Plitt. He was named the Mac West Offensive Player of the Week for the second week in a row. 26 for 43, 366 yards, four touchdowns and an interception there. Uh, Ball State with a, a breakout game for true freshman wide receiver uh, Jalen McGaw. He had three catches for 100 yards. Two of those were touchdowns. Um, Khalil Pippleton had seven catches for 66 yards and a touchdown for, uh, for Central Michigan. Uh, Ty Brock, like I mentioned, made his first start of his Central Michigan career, 20 for 30, 188 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But like I said, though, Sam, the story of this game for me was the sloppiness for, for Central Michigan. Four turnovers, special team errors, couldn't get off the field on defense. I mean, Ball State was really just in, you know, they were on another level from Central Michigan on Saturday. And I never got the sense that Central Michigan was, was in that game. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna be honest. I was I was I waited out a little bit longer just because I know what happened last year. But yeah, like you said, it was just uh just an utter just domination. I'm sorry to put it. I think Ball State was clearly the better team. But again, I I always had in the back of my mind what happened last year could happen again this year. So yeah, I I think Ball State was clearly the better team. Drew Play had himself a day. Besides that, it's Drew Play always has that one pass that ends up in a pick. That's just a terrible throw. It happens every game. It happened this game. It's probably gonna happen uh, against Western. It just happens. It just happens. It's what comes with Drew Plitt. He always has that one pass. But, yeah, without Caleb Huntley, we play a phenomenal game. Ty Evans did a nice job trying to fill in for him. Drew Plitt even showed his wheels at times, um, rushing for 14 carries, 29 yards, and a touchdown, which we don't have a lot of see. But, yeah, uh, Cleo Pimpleton hurt himself with those two fumbles. You mentioned them, uh, um, the special team error uh, close to halftime. But I will say, if you had to have one bright spot, it has to be that Central Michigan um, defensive line. I thought they played out of their mind for the situation they were in. I, I 
constantly saw them in the backfield, multiple tackle for losses. Troy Brown, three and a half tackles uh, for loss. They had seven in the game. If if you had one bright spot to give for Central Michigan, I think it's got to got to be that defensive line. Yeah, and, and I think that's a fair point, and and that's you know that's kind of reflected in the rushing stats for Ball State. I mean. They ran for 153 yards, but they only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. So that, that is a good point there, Sam. But I got to be honest with you, man. I If I'm a Ball State fan, these last two weeks have been very, very, very encouraging for me because, first of all, you do this without Caleb Huntley, your best running back, who, you know, you and I were talking before the game. You know, he was on the sideline. He was dressed. He was available if they needed him. But they didn't need him. Other guys stepped up. And even in the passing game, you know, everyone likes to talk about Justin Hall and and deservedly so. I mean, and he is great in this game, though. I mean, he had seven catches, only 66 yards. But the thing that encourages me is that even though Central Michigan was clearly um, focusing on taking Justin Hall away, other guys stepped up. We mentioned Jalen McGaughy, the true freshman, 100 yards and two touchdowns. Johannes Taylor had another great game with 74 yards and a touchdown. Antoine Davis had six carries for 78 yards. I mean, this Ball State offense, they, they have weapons every year, everywhere. And, and there's guys that are stepping up whenever the, the, the stars are, are limited. And so um, I, if I'm a Ball State fan, I'm, I'm very encouraged. And I actually I wanted to ask you, Sam, as um, you know, as, as a Ball State fan, as a Ball State student, and, you know, I, you've rightfully so been a little bit critical of, of this coaching staff and from last year and even from week one uh, when they, they lost that game to Miami. But after these last couple of weeks, are, has, your, has your opinion changed at all? I, I'm going to be honest. No, I, I I don't feel like we should be in the position we are. We've had we've had a a solid week here in the week previous, no doubt about it. But again, we almost blew that Toledo game. We all we we potentially could have lost that Northern Illinois if it wasn't for that pick six. So it just seems like the situation we got in, I think, has to do with a lot more just luck and just uh just circumstances. It's not. Sure. If we if we just flat out dominate like Buffalo, then yeah, I would give Mike New all the credit in the world and say I'm wrong. But I think it just more has to do with the circumstances. What just like each game, it just happened to fall in our place. We potentially could have lost that game against Eastern Michigan. We found a way to do it. Credit, mm-hmm. I'll give I'll give credit to Mike New on that one for some several big play calls that led us on that final drive, but. We, we, we were lucky, let's be honest, to get to where yeah. we are now. I, I hear what you're saying. And I think I, I, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Ball State the last couple of weeks. I, I will agree with you in the sense, though, that it, I, I would compare them to Toledo in the, in the sense that they haven't, I, other than this game against Central Michigan, I haven't, they, they don't often put together a complete performance, right? They'll give you a great half or a great quarter, but then there's other things that'll happen with mental lapses, turnovers, whatever the case may be. I think the fact that this didn't happen, that didn't happen this game probably has more to do with the, with, with central Michigan and, and, and their failure to execute than anything that ball state did. Um, so I, I do agree that there's still tends to be a little bit too much like up and down with ball state, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's, I mean, they, they put themselves in the position, you know, they, they, they started the season with this Detroit or bust mantra. And now with one game left in the season that they, you know, that goal is still in front of them. 
Yeah, and before we move on to the the Michigans, I do I do want to say I've been really impressed by this Ball State defense. I think Tyler Stockton was recently named like a semifinalist for one of the top uh, assistants of the week. I think he deserves yeah. it. Past three weeks, start with the Northern Illinois uh, pick six Toledo. We really we really held them to like three points for three quarters. Really solid performance, and then Central Michigan where he forced four turnovers. Really stout on defense, I think, is a really good sign moving into the Western Michigan game. But, yeah, that's that's just my final thoughts. And uh, with that being said, Zach, do you, uh, Eastern Michigan surprisingly got it done against this Western Michigan team. Yeah, I tell you what, this to me, it, it felt like this was a game where, you know, Eastern Michigan's kind of been been close all year. They've been in a bunch of close games. And this was the week where finally everything went right for the Eagles. And um, obviously their offense came out on fire. If anyone missed the game, um, you know, they put up 53 points final score in this one, 53 42 as Eastern Michigan traveled to Kalamazoo and knocked off the previously undefeated Broncos. Um, the story of this game for me, Sam was, it seems like maybe possibly Eastern Michigan finally found themselves a running game. Um, you know, after really, really struggling to run the ball here, over the first, uh, you know, the first four games of the season, Darius Boone had himself a huge game, 25 carries for 148 yards and a touchdown. Samson Evans had seven carries for 61 yards and a touchdown as well. So, you know, I, I'm wondering where, where that has been all year. I think we've been wondering if, if Eastern Michigan was going to find themselves a running back. And it seems like they may have done that with Darius Boone. The, the, the freshman came in and really got, you know, his, his first um, significant action of the season. You know, he had uh, nine carries in week one against Kent State uh, for 68 yards. And then he didn't, he didn't play for four straight weeks. And then he comes back for, with 25 for 148 and a touchdown against Western Michigan. So um, it seems like they may have found their running back. I'm very encouraged by that if I'm an Eastern Michigan fan. Um, because, you know, you've got your quarterback, Preston Hutchinson had another great game, 19 for 30, 315 yards and three touchdowns there all season, though, we've been saying there's been no balance to this offense for Eastern Michigan. It's been all Preston Hutchinson. It's been all Hassan Badoon and Tanner new through the air, uh, or Connor new through the air, excuse me. Um, so, you know, they needed to find some running game to, to balance that out. And obviously Darius Boone provided that on, uh, on Saturday on the other side of the ball for Western Michigan. Man, what a terrible defensive performance from them, giving up 53 points to the Eagles. Um, still another good performance from the offense. Caleb Ellaby continues to play really, really well. 18 for 26, 288 yards and four touchdowns. The sophomore, uh, 16 touchdowns and only one interception on the year. So he has been really good. Uh, I think if I'm a Western Michigan fan, I'm very confident that we've got our quarterback of the future. Um, but yeah, to me, Sam, the story of this game was the Eastern Michigan offense and, and Darius Boone. And finally, the Eagles being able to run the ball. Yeah, uh, I you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, where has this rushing attack been all game? Maybe it's because Darius Boone has been dealing with some injury. But yeah, we've mentioned it. This RPO offense, you need a rushing attack, and that hasn't been there. Seems like Eastern Michigan has been very one-sided. But when you add in that rushing attack, it, it's shown this offense to be able to hit a whole new threshold that we haven't seen. But I don't know about you, Zach, but these past two, three games – uh, for even dating back to the Toledo game, it seems like Western Michigan has some flaws it needs to figure out. 
when you, when you look at the amount of close games they have, Toledo, uh, Central, Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, where they uh, finally got a loss, like this team, for as good as they've been, and all, all credit's due, they've been able to deliver one on Caleb Elby stepped up, uh, Sky Moore, Dwayne Eskridge has stepped up, Ladarius Jefferson has stepped up. But this team has several flaws that has need to figure out. And coming off a loss, you're heading into the Ball State game. Ball State's um, kind of on a, uh, a high right now. And Western Michigan's kind of coming down, at a, coming off uh, pat, this past week with a low. Yeah, I'm with you there, Sam. And it's starting to seem to me um, that we maybe we got a little bit too high on the Broncos after those first two weeks. Obviously, they they uh, they boat raced Akron in week one. But I think Akron now compared to Akron four weeks ago is a much different team. I, I don't think uh, Western Michigan wins that game by 45 again if they played today. And then obviously the week after that, uh, is when everyone started to take Western Michigan seriously because of that last second win against Toledo. But you're right. I agree with you. Since then, um, you know, you give up 44 points to Central Michigan. You win the rivalry game. So you got to give them credit for winning that game. But still, um, especially defensively, not a great performance. You need a late field goal to beat Northern Illinois last week. And then you come back with this performance this week. You know, I think Western Michigan is a team to me that is is trending downward a little bit. That's not to say that they're not going to bounce back and have a great year next year. I just think everybody had a little bit of a higher opinion of the Broncos three weeks ago than they do now. And 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 to me, Sam, it's a lot of that has to do with the defense. I mean, this team started the year, uh, you know, very strong on defense with a couple of of good performances, and since then. You know, they've, they've dropped back to, to fifth in the, in the conference in, in total defense, which so you're still in the middle of the pack. But I mean, you're giving up 409 yards a game. Uh, that that's obviously not great. So, um, you know, they, they have some things to figure out there. And, you know, when you think about that in the context of now you're going up against the high powered ball state offense, um, you know, not not a great team to be going up against whenever you have things to figure out on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no doubt. And this is this is the one game I wish wasn't on ESPN Plus so I could actually watch it because for some reason ESPN wants to put things behind a paywall of late and yeah. I don't have the subscription to it so I wasn't able to watch it. But as I was watching the box score come up and Eastern Michigan was just piling on points, piling on points, it's like, is this Western Michigan team – like we, we mentioned Eastern Michigan, I don't think – I think we can both agree – doesn't deserve to be one of four is Western Michigan. The team that we sit here and say, doesn't deserve to be four and one. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't know that they deserve to be, to be four and one. And, and the thing, again, it, it comes back to defense for me now. Now Western Michigan tur- did turn the ball over a few times in this game and, and allow some short fields to Eastern Michigan to, to get some easy points. But at the same time, this, this defense just could not get off the field. I mean, some of the touchdown drives for Eastern Michigan, I mean, nine plays, 77 yards, 13 plays, 88 yards, 11 plays, 65 yards. I mean, seven plays, 75 yards. And the thing to me that uh, is, is probably is most discouraging, if I'm a Western Michigan fan, is that in the fourth quarter of this game, they went down and they scored a touchdown with four minutes left. Um, to, to make it 50 to 42. So they were essentially within 
uh, there, you know, you're within one, uh, you're within one score at that point, you get a, you get a, a stop on defense and you have a chance to go down and tie the game. So they kick the ball back to, to Eastern Michigan uh, with, uh, I want to say maybe, maybe it was more than four minutes left, maybe like five, five and a half minutes left in this game. And they, they, they just, they could not get off the field. Eastern Michigan uh, used up, you know, over four minutes of clock. They ran the ball down the field. They kicked the field goal at that point. You're up 11. Uh, there's only three minutes left there, you know, less than there's, you know, two minutes left in the game or whatever. And you, you're the game's out of reach at that point. So in that one moment when they needed their defense to get a stop to be able to still have a chance to win that game, they couldn't do it. And to me, that's very discouraging. Yeah, I, I, I uh, echo everything you say. And before we move on to talking about this week's game, Zach, is there any final thoughts you had um, from these uh Four, four games that we had this past week? No, I don't think so. I think just, uh, you know, kind of recapping, I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at these teams, I'm looking at, you know, Northern Illinois, Akron, Ball State, Eastern Michigan to me, those are teams that are trending upward right now. You know, Toledo, Bowling Green, Central Michigan, Western Michigan. I kind of see them trending downward as the season comes to a close, um, which I, I can't believe it seems like the season just started yesterday and we're already talking about the last week, which sucks, but it is what it is. I think, um, like I said, though, I kind of put those teams that played this past week into those two groups. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think the Twitter question for this week is uh, give us I'm, I'm, I'm going to spoil it because I just thought of it on the fly. Give us your power rankings of where each team stands, because obviously record is one thing. But where do these uh, teams really stand in the minds of you guys? Because. Let's be honest, some of these teams should have more wins and some teams should have less wins than others. It's just the luck of the draw. But, yeah, again, when I put it out, uh, uh, give us your list from 1 through 10 of who you think um, uh, is better than each other, essentially. Yeah, I think that's great. And I'd be very curious to see what everyone thinks because, obviously – most of our followers are a fan of one of these teams. So is, is, are they going to think about this with their, with their heads? They're going to think about this with their hearts. I'm guilty of thinking with my heart as a fan all the time. So I'll be curious to see what the responses are like on that. No doubt. And with that being said, we're going to move on to our bandwagon bet section. Uh, we got four games to choose from Northern Illinois at Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan uh, at Ball State, Akron at Buffalo, CMU at Toledo. Who are you riding with first in the NIU at EMU game? Zach? You know what? I these are this is a tough one to pick for me because these are two teams. Uh, that, that I would like to, I'd like to pick both of them right now. I think they're both playing really good. Um, I would say my most confident play in this game would probably be over on the total at 55 and a half. I think both offenses are, are, are playing really well right now. If I had to pick a side, uh, you know, Eastern Michigan uh, laying six and a half at home. Um, you know, if this got up to seven, I, I don't know if I'd pick Eastern Michigan, but I think at six and a half, Keeping it under a touchdown, I'll, I'll go with the Eagles. I I like I think Northern Illinois has given us a bunch of encouraging sides uh, signs, not sides. Um, <laughs> but I think Eastern Michigan just has too much of an offense. If they can continue that run game, it seems like they're almost unstoppable. You got Preston Hutchinson, who we mentioned, uh, who was uh, Eastern Michigan's running back that came uh, Darius Boone. 
Darius Boone, if they can establish the run game with him, I think Eastern Michigan can run uh, uh, away with this. I think Northern Illinois will continue to shock people and press people, but I think Eastern Michigan can at least uh, cover that six and a half. I'm going to go with Eastern Michigan minus six and a half, and I'll do I'll do over 55 and a half. With that, we're in agreement on that one. With that being said, we've got the big matchup of the week that everybody, I'm sure, will be tuning into 12 o'clock Eastern. I'll be at that game on Saturday at Schumann Stadium, Western Michigan, at Ball State to determine who um, plays uh, Buffalo in the MAC championship game. Minus two and a half, Ball State's favorite, 68 and a half over under. Zach, who are you taking? First of all, let me say, man, that, that's a lot of points. That's a, that's a high total for a MAC game. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Sam, uh, and I, our guy, K-Hod, I don't know if he'll, he'll like this too much, but I think Ball State is going to blow Western Michigan wow. out of the water in this game. Like I mentioned, the last two weeks from Ball State, I thought they is as good as they've looked all season, save for, you know, a little bit of that fourth quarter against Toledo. And same, same on the other side of the ball, Western Michigan these last couple weeks, I haven't seen a ton that's been encouraging to me. I think these are two teams that are trending in the right direction, uh, or I'm sorry, trending in opposite directions. I think Ball State came into this year um, very open about the fact that they felt like they they could make it to Ford Field. And, and now that that is right here in front of them, I think they come out ready to play. Um, I think Ball State wins this one by two or three touchdowns. I really do. I know that's that might sound crazy, but I don't see Western Michigan keeping up with them in this game. I, I like Valse. I'm not sure I like them that much, Zach, to be honest. I, I got to roll with my Cardinals, minus two and a half. You mentioned opposite directions. I think our defense has really improved. I'll definitely I, – I think I'll definitely go with the under of 68 and a half. I think our defense – it won't, we won't be able to stop Caleb LB completely, but I think we'll be able to stop him enough to where we don't cover the, the, the over under. I'll still do ball state minus two and a half because I think we can at least get a field goal or if a touchdown lead. I don't think we blow him out of the water, but I think we get it done at the end of the day. And we hopefully, not to jinx it, knock on wood, uh, go to Ford Field uh, come, what would it be, uh, next next Saturday. Yep, that you got it. Yep. So our third matchup of the week. I mean, Akron at Buffalo, fifty nine and a half. Buffalo's favored by thirty two and a half. It's uh, two thirty on CBS Sports Network. Zach, who are you taking? Oh man, this, this is a tough one. That's it's so many points. Um, you know, you know Buffalo is going to do what they want to do on offense. You know they're going to run the ball. I, at the same time, though, you know, I, I have been very encouraged by what I've seen from Akron the last couple of weeks. Um, I think, you know, this is 32 and a half is so many points. Akron would have covered that in every game except for the Kent State game and, and uh, the Western Michigan game at the beginning of the year. I'm going to toss that Western Michigan game out because I think Akron is a very different team now from when they were then. Um, so because of that, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh, if you want to call it that, I mean, if you're going to give me 32 and a half points, I'll, I'll go ahead and take 32 and a half points. That's a lot of points, even though I know Buffalo is clearly the much better team here. I've been really encouraged by what I've seen from Akron over the last couple of weeks. I think they can keep this within four touchdowns. I think that's reasonable. Maybe Buffalo wins by, you know, 28 or 31, but I think Akron can cover this number. 
Yeah, I think it just comes down to that this game really doesn't mean anything to Buffalo. They've already clinched the Mac East title. They're, they're already heading to Ford Field. So what what really do they have to play for other than just rising Jarrett Patterson's stat, uh, stock at this point? Other than that, what, what else do they have to play for? Maybe you want to play for that AP ranking, get up to 22 instead of 25 or whatever. That's fine. But I just don't think they're going to need to do a whole lot. I'll I think it'll be a relatively easy win, but yeah, I think Akron can cover at least 59 and a half. I'll, I'll go, th- I'll go with the over, but I'll say uh, Akron um, covers the spread on that, on that. And then with our final matchup, we got CMU at Toledo. This game really doesn't mean much other than it's just another game between uh, another game of action. Zach uh, Toledo's favored by 11 and a half. Man, so kind of how I said in our first matchup this week with Northern Illinois and Eastern Michigan, how, you know, it's tough for me to pick because I'd like to pick both teams because they're both playing well. Well, this one's tough, too, because I don't want to pick either of these teams right now. I don't don't want anything to do with either of these teams. Um, I don't think either of them are playing particularly well at the moment. However, um, I'm going to go with the Chippewas here because if you're going to give me double digit points, uh, even if it's a road game, I I trust the Chippewas coaching staff more than I trust the Rockets coaching staff. I think Greg McElwain will have the Chippewas ready to go and ready to bounce back after a terrible performance last week. I don't know that I have the same confidence in, in the coaching staff Toledo. Their defense is really struggling right now. Um, obviously, you know, they've had some injuries still up in the air. We don't know if Eli Peters is going to be able to play. Um, so you're going to obviously Carter Bradley's a, a very good quarterback in, in his own right. Um, but still, when you have injuries like that, that, that kind of throws a wrench into things. Toledo just hasn't looked great the last couple of weeks to me. Um, I think this is a game that's a little bit more lower scoring. The total here, 52 and a half. I think I'll probably take the under on that, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Chippewas with the points here. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to agree with you on every single one, but I kind of do at this point. Toledo's disappointed me from top to bottom. They just really have this season. They haven't given me a reason to believe why they will cover this 11.5. I think Central Michigan's D-line can contain Bryant Kobach enough to where it's going to force um, uh, either Carter Bradley or Eli Peters uh, to throw for 403 yards if they want to win this game. So I think Central Michigan can cover this 11 and a half, even with the backup quarterback. If he, if uh, whoever's going to be the starter, uh, 52 and a half, I'll, I'll take the under on that as well. I think, I think this will be a low scoring game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I tend to agree with that. And I think, especially what you were saying about central Michigan's defensive line, being able to contain Toledo's running game. I, I agree with you completely there to be honest with you, Sam, I, I could see central Michigan win in this game outright. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I'll still take the points instead of, you know, laying at money line, but I, I do like the Chippewas here in this spot. Yeah. You mentioned them winning this game. And I thought, I thought heading into that second half, the Northern Illinois had a excellent shot to win that game. They, they personally look like the better team to me. They obviously didn't come through when it needed to, but yeah, Central Michigan could definitely, um, uh, definitely win that game if possible. And before we move on to basketball talk, if you're looking for some suggestions for to drink this weekend while watching the basketball games, we're here to help with Belts Beer Garden. Every week, our very own Dave Jury tastes craft beer from around the country and breaks down their profiles like a true expert sommelier. Check out hustlebell.com every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for his latest recommendation or follow on Instagram at Belts Beer Garden for 24-7 updates. And with that being said, 
We've got some um, men's and women's basketball talk uh, to uh, cover. So, Zach, where do you want where do you want to start off with? Well, let's let's take a look at the standings here, real quick. We'll, we'll go we'll go men's first. Uh, just take a look at the a quick breakdown of, of the standings here. Now, uh, the caveat to this is that Akron uh, had took a two week pause because of some some COVID issues with their program. So they are the only team that has yet to play a game yet. They opened their season. Uh, this Saturday, the 12th, they're taking on um, Division II Cedarville. So they'll finally get um, get on the board here. But, uh, you know, we look at the standings here. We've, we've had a couple conference games already, Sam. Uh, your, your Cardinals uh, came back late against Northern Illinois the other night and ended up winning that game uh, in overtime, uh, 79-70. I think one of the early season highlights thus far – uh, on the men's side is uh, the other day, Bowling Green taken on Buffalo in both teams, Mac opener there. Um, these are two teams that, uh, you know, everyone kind of picked towards the top of the conference with a lot of people having, um, you know, Bowling Green as, as their, their early uh, season favorite. And the, uh, the, the Falcons ended up uh, pulling away from the Bulls late in that one for an 86 to 78 victory. Justin Turner, the senior guard for, uh, for Bowling Green, uh, led the way there with uh, with 33 points in that one. So um, we're going to have uh, – obviously things are going to be picking up here over the next couple of weeks as, as conference play gets rolling. But uh, I think obviously, you know, Bowling Green to me still looks like you probably the team to beat here. Kent State also has really impressed me. They went down to Charlottesville on Friday, uh, took on uh, number 15 Virginia and took them to overtime too. So I think Kent State's a team that can make some noise this year. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how, you know, once we get conference play rolling, you know, um, you know, six teams have yet to play a conference game uh, with, you know, uh, Toledo had beaten Eastern Michigan, Ball State beat Northern Illinois, Bowling Green beat Buffalo. Those have been our only conference games thus far. So it's going to be interesting to see how the these teams separate from each other as conference play gets going. Yeah, and you mentioned Bowling Green. Um, uh, first, I'd like to give a shout out to Daquan Plowden. He made ESPN top 10 with his uh, dunk, which – I wasn't impressed by like I told you I just I didn't see it all that but hey he got on top ten is what yeah. it is shout out to him but I think what impressed me is Buffalo I I mentioned it before the season I think they're a team people are sleeping on um I think Buffalo showed in a big way that they're gonna be a contender this season um only down by two I believe at halftime against Bowling Green before Bowling Green kind of pulled away in the second half. But this season so far, they lost a four against Army. Army looks pretty good this season. Had that one against Townsend. But also, uh, I've been really impressed by uh, uh, what Ohio has continued to done. They've only they only played one game after that Illinois game, but it was against the Cleveland State uh, team, 101 to 46. They had a 40 to zero run at one point, 40 to zero. Yeah, that is, that is absurd. I mean, I mean, there's not much more to say about that. I think that's what, that's what's really impressed me about this season is both in play of Ohio and uh, Buffalo so far. Yeah, I I agree with you. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Ohio, Sam, because um, Ohio, I think to me might be the sleeper team in the conference this year. Obviously, um, they, they got a ton of press. Uh, Jason Preston got a ton of press a couple weeks ago after they almost took down Illinois and Champaign. But across the board, this is a really, really good basketball team. I mean, they're leading the conference right now in assists per game. They're averaging 18 assists a game. So they're, you know, offensively, they're sharing the basketball. They have a lot of different options. 
And they're also, they're second in the conference in assist to turnover ratio with uh, 1.24 assist to turnover. So when you do things like that, that that's, you know, you have a chance to win a lot of basketball games. And I've been really impressed watching the Bobcats thus far. I think a lot of people coming into the year probably had them kind of like a step below, uh, you know, Bowling Green and Buffalo and some of those other contenders at the top of the conference. But I think Ohio is going to be right there at the end of the year. Uh, no doubt there. And moving on to the women's side of the ball, we'll look at the stains there, Zach. Is there anything that uh, Im- impresses you or stands out for you? You know, I, I'm uh, thus far, I think, to me, the most impressive team here on the women's side, the two of them, I'll say, I'll say uh, Central Michigan, who we all know was kind of the preseason favorite, but Eastern Michigan has looked really good to me as well. I mean, Eastern Michigan's sitting at three and one overall, one and oh in, in the conference. They, um, you know, they, they went to Muncie and, and really uh, blew the Cardinals out at, at Worthen Arena there, 77 to 58 last week. Um, you know, they have one close loss to Illinois, Chicago, but I'm, I'm still, I've been very impressed with what I've seen uh, from Eastern Michigan thus far, uh, Central Michigan as well. I think those are the two teams to me right now that, that I'm kind of keeping my eye on. Akron uh, looks good. They're 3-0. They have yet, yet to play a, a conference game, though. But I think, again, Eastern Michigan to me has looked really good. I've been really impressed thus far uh, by redshirt senior Ariana Combs from Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, she uh, she's fourth nationally in steals right now. Uh, first in the Mac in points and uh, first in the Mac in field goals made tied for first in the Mac in double doubles and uh, second in the league in assists. So she's really kind of doing it all right now um, for uh, the Eagles. I'd be remiss not to, to mention Ohio as well, which we talked about them a little bit last week with them obviously knocking off uh, number 22 Notre Dame. That was their first ever win uh, over a ranked team um, as a program, but here on the women's side, Sam, uh, conference play really picks up here over the next week. So I think we're going to start to see some separation here. Um, you know, we're, we're recording here on Thursday, uh, the 10th. And, you know, tonight we got Toledo play in Northern Illinois. Uh, tomorrow we got Eastern Michigan and Bowling Green. Uh, we got Akron playing Buffalo, Kent State playing Toledo on Sunday. Another no- notable game here, you know, I mentioned Central Michigan and how they're kind of the, the favorite to win the conference. Well, a really nice opportunity for them in the non-conference schedule coming up here on Saturday as Cincinnati travels up to Mount Pleasant, then, you know, the Bearcats are going to take on the Chippewas to, you know, to be able to get a a win uh, for the Chippewas against a team of that caliber in the American Athletic Conference. That could go a long way towards uh, the the Chippewas' confidence moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned the uh, Central Michigan. uh, Shout out to them for being able to get in their first uh, conference game against Western Michigan. It does well. You mentioned the, the dominating play. Eastern Michigan continues to dominate. Um, yeah, everything you mentioned, uh, Akron, uh, Bowling Green starting out 3-0, Ohio starting out 2-0, Toledo 2-0. So there, there's just a lot we haven't really figured out. I don't think – I think I think with both the men and women, I think we're going to need some time to see what these teams are truly about. We're only three, four, five games into the season. Uh, Akron on the men's side hasn't even played a game yet, so we don't – really know anything about them really what their team's going to look like and yes we saw glimpses uh uh ball state against northern illinois but again it was uh third game in i i'd say let's uh, if you're worried about your team right now give it some time you obviously if you're like a central michigan um uh uh basketball fan you obviously have concern when you least lose to a d2 squad that's never a good thing it never really is but 
I would say give your team some time. Even if your team's starting out really strong, like an Eastern Michigan team is three and one on the season one, oh, and um, uh, conference for the women's. Uh, don't be so secure. You got teams like uh, you got teams like Central Michigan at one and one. You got teams like Akron three and zero, Bowling Green three and zero, Ohio two and zero, and Toledo two and zero. It looks like this conference uh, year is shaking out to be a really good one, real fun one that anybody can uh, win this year. I agree, and and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to watch this season unfold is because I feel like on both sides, both the men and the women, there are three or four teams in you know in both that I think have a legitimate shot to win this thing. So I'm I'm really excited. Like I said, the 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 cream is going to start to rise at the top here over the next couple of weeks as conference play really starts to uh, to pick up, and I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's uh, it's going to be a fun couple of months here watching MAC basketball. No doubt. It, and is Zach, is there any uh, notable results you want to talk about from this uh, over this past week between the men and women basketball? You know, I, I wanted to touch, obviously, you know, we talked on the women's side. Central Michigan has looked really good thus far. Uh, they, they opened up, you know, their conference play against uh, Western Michigan a couple of days back. And um, that was, you know, a very impressive win for the Chippewas. They got an 82 to 71 over the Broncos. Uh, Central Michigan looks good, man. They, they really do. Um, I, I, I like watching them. They play an exciting brand. They're very high scoring. Um, on, on the men's side, um, I mentioned briefly, you know, the Kent State Virginia game. Um, not a ton of opportunities for, for MAC schools to go pick up signature victories in the non conference this year because, you know, non conference is such, a, you know, so much more limited this year than usual. But man, Kent State really showed me something against uh, Virginia last Friday. They were down seven at halftime. They battled back in the second half. They tied it with a, a three at the buzzer to go to overtime. Unfortunately, they faded a little bit in overtime. But anytime you can go on the road and hang with a top 15 team and bring them, uh, you know, take, take them to the extra period and, and get into extra time. I think that's got to be a very encouraging sign uh, for, for the Golden Flashes. They followed that up with an 80-66 win over Detroit uh, the other day. So it looks like things are really starting to, to head in the right direction uh, for, for the Golden Flashes. And then um, so th those are the, the big ones for me. We, you know, we mentioned Ohio and Cleveland State, the 40 to nothing run that the Bobcats had. We also mentioned Buffalo and Bowling Green there on the men's side, the back and forth battle. So there's been some great early season games thus far. Is there any that have caught your eye thus far? I think the Toledo uh, Eastern Michigan came kind of caught my eye. Toledo's been struggling. Really, they had that loss against Bradley, Xavier, barely beat Cleveland State, who Ohio just demolished. And heading into that Eastern Michigan game, I wasn't really sure. And this Toledo team has had all the expectations like uh, similar to football, and they haven't delivered up to this point. I was kind of worried, but they got it done. I know uh, this past like day or two, they lost to Michigan, who Michigan yeah. looks like they're trying to go for a Mac sweep or something. I'm not really sure playing all these Mac <laughs> yeah. teams and whatnot. I believe the 3 0 against Mac teams at this point. But yeah, Toledo, I was kind of scared going into this game that they'd be able to get it done uh, with, uh, with kind of their. Um, with um, they've just been kind of disappointing, but Mar uh, Marion Jackson be able to get done twenty points. They held the East Michigan to seventy four points, and yeah, they 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 just uh, dominated this game. Yeah, and I think the thing with Toledo this year, um, at least it seems to me, like you said, it's still so early, and you don't know how these games are going to play out. But what it seems like to me with Toledo is like they kind of 
they kind of go as their guards go, right? If their guards are hitting shots, they're going to be hard to beat. In that Eastern Michigan game, I mean, they, they shot 51% from the field. They hit 11 threes. If, they're gonna, if they can shoot 51% from the field every night, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Obviously, that's tough to do to make half your shots every single game, game in and game out. But I think the guards that Toledo has, um, they're 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 not, you know, they're they're right up there with the best in the conference. I think the teams that are they're going to struggle with are the teams with the great big men. Which you know, you mentioned that Michigan game. I think Michigan just had a little bit too size, too much size underneath the boards for Toledo to hang with them. But I think you know, if, if Toledo's guards can get going and they're hitting shots, they'll be a tough team to beat. No doubt. And and Zach, I think that wraps up uh, this episode of the Mid American Bandwagon Podcast. Is there is there any final thoughts you have on this episode? No, I think I'm good, man. We covered everything. I'm I'm really excited to see uh, this last week of Mac football, how these games shake out. Really, really looking forward to that Western Michigan Ball State game on Saturday. I think that'll be uh, appointment television for me. And uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been a great month and a half of watching football, and now we got basketball here picking us up, taking us into the winter. It's a great time to be a college sports fan, man. I'm excited to see how basketball plays out. I'm excited to see how football finishes up. It's a, it's an exciting time, man. Yeah, I'm there with you. And again, uh, follow us on Twitter at Mac underscore bandwagon. That's where I'm going to be posting the Twitter question. Again, the Twitter question this week will be uh, give us your power rankings. Where do you think uh, each team stands as of uh, it will be Friday, December 11th. So that'll be one, that'll give you one day to kind of think of it before the um, uh, the uh, what do you call week five of yeah. football yeah. happens. Yeah. So, so yeah, just give us your thoughts. Let us know where you stand. Give us the reasoning why, if you have any surprises, any, um, any, yeah, just give us your thoughts in general on how the season has gone. That's about it. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys did enjoy this, um, uh, episode 23 of the Mid American Bandwagon podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your week. If your team, I hope your team wins, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> That, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, have a great rest of your week.